Hello and welcome to the Community HealthCast brought to you by the Queen's Community Health Board. My name is Rick Conrad and I'm joined today as always by our coordinator and podcast producer extraordinaire, Elizabeth Bailey. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you today? Oh, I'm great, Rick. How are you? Good. And our guest today is Diane Huskins, the coordinator of the Community Food Resource Network in Caledonia. Diane moved to Caledonia 12 years ago after retiring from an IT company in Halifax. She got involved in 2019 after reading an article about a group of people wanting to open a food bank in the area. And it's our pleasure to welcome Diane to the podcast today to talk about the Community Food Resource Network and food security in North Queens. Hi, Diane, and welcome to the Community HealthCast. Hello, and thank you for inviting me. Tell us a bit about the Community Food Resource Network. What do you guys do? What area does it cover? How many clients do you see? That kind of thing. We opened our doors in uh, December of 2019, so we're, we're in business just over a year. We offer food support and a lot more to the residents of North Queens. Sometimes it's just a matter of friendship. It's food, it's company, it's knowledge sharing. I've helped people with their taxes, fill out pension forms, try to find housing, just about everything. We cover what we, uh, our catchment area is North Queens. So that goes from Greenfield to Pleasant River to the county line up near Kedgey. And how many people do you usually see? I'm sure it probably fluctuates from week to week. There is a core group. So we generally have 15 households that come each week. So we work on a two-week rotational basis. So I had 15 today, and that same group, give or take, will be back in two weeks. And how many people do you work with at the network? It's funny, we were talking about this this morning. When we opened our doors in December of 19, I worked alone. And I worked alone for four or five months because I wanted to build a rapport and a sense of trust with our clients. I've since gone on to, I have two people who help me on Wednesdays with packing the orders, and that frees up my time to greet our clients and have a bit of a one-on-one in these COVID times as best we can. And you mentioned um, earlier that your husband is also involved, is that right? Yes, he is. He's been involved uh, kicking and screaming the whole time, but he has since become the vice president of our board. And he's my muscle, probably my biggest champion. He just helps me with everything. He's awesome. What have you uh, noticed since the uh, Community Food Resource Network has been open? Is it too early to, to say to talk about trends or how it's helped the local community uh, and helped address food security in that area? When we first opened, well, I didn't really know what to expect because food insecurity is a very confidential thing. And Queens County Food Bank, rightfully so, couldn't share any of their information with me. So I didn't know who to expect. And when we started, I, I saw mostly single seniors. And by seniors, they're my own demographic because I'm considered a senior, which is scary. And then it went on to families. And then it moved into senior couples. So by then, we were heavy duty into winter. 
And I saw the demographic change to senior couples once the heating bills came on board and they were struggling to pay for firewood or oil. You know, you've been doing this for at least a year and a bit, right? How would you rate the level of food security in North Queens, if if that's possible? Well, again, food food security and insecurity is a really private issue. People don't really t- like to talk about it. But I think I've just built such a good rapport with the people who use our services and with the community in general that they don't mind talking to me about the issues. It's a struggle because we've lost our gas station, we've lost our bank, we've lost a mill or two. So we're down to the bare bones of a community. We have a small grocery store, uh, but because of the loss of the infrastructure of a gas station, so people have to try to rely on the services that we have or their friends, however they can get around. Because of the loss or the lack of those items, they tend to have to gravitate towards a more unhealthy diet because they can't afford to purchase the higher end foods. So in an area that, as you said, has suffered the loss of some services and businesses in the last little while, um, that also impacts people's ability to find those affordable, uh, healthful options. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I really pride myself and ourselves on offering a better quality, more nutritious item. We always provide a dairy and eggs, vegetables, and a protein source. Always. You talked a bit about the demographic that you've seen accessing the service. And what else have people been telling you about the difficulties in getting that sort of nutritious diet on a regular basis? It's too expensive. Because we're in what I would call the deep country, we're in the middle of the province, the quality and the quantity of more nutritious items definitely is lacking. And I'm not knocking our grocery store because they definitely do the best that they can. And obviously their prices have to be higher. But when you only have so much money, a loaf of bread probably goes further than a head of lettuce. So yeah, that's where the concern is. And people are just so pleased that I can offer them fruit and vegetables. Today, for instance, I had uh, potatoes, carrots, onions, sweet potatoes, lemons, apples. Do you know very far ahead of time what you have to give? Pretty much so. Right now I'm running a program where I'm offering food hampers, and that was based on a Red Cross grant. So I'm providing uh, one hamper that has 10 pounds of local meat, and then another hamper that is full of fruit and vegetables. There's a gift card in there as well from our local grocery store. So that value alone is $80. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very proud. (laughs) Yeah, I think you had some buy-in there too from, is it Indian Garden Farms in Hebville? Everything comes from them except for, I think, the potatoes and the eggs. But they're still Nova Scotian. 
I have various meat suppliers, and but again, it's all Nova Scotian. They're not giving us the items. We do pay for them. Still, that's, uh, you know, and again, not to criticize local grocery stores, but that is a more local option than a lot of grocery stores seem to be able to offer. So It is, but because I'm very community-minded, I made sure that when I received this grant that I gave them some of our business and I purchased $4,000 in grocery gift cards from them. So that showed our desire to work with them and they're a champion for us. So we'll be a champion for them. Has COVID affected how you do things and the, and how people access you and, and what they need? As terrible as it probably is to say, COVID has really been a boost to the food security industry. There's been a lot of government funds that are available. I've accessed every grant that I could possibly access to bring good nutritional food to our group. It's curtailed a lot of the things that we had hoped to do in the beginning. You know, when a client would stop in, we would have a chat. We might have a cup of coffee, some hot chocolate, and just sit around the table and we would talk to each other. But we can't do that anymore. I miss that. I'm sure everybody misses that. It was nice to be able to sit and just talk. I had a gentleman who came in, an older gentleman, and he just came in to talk. He didn't come for food. He just came for a chat because when our gas station closed down, the old boys club lost their coffee meeting place. In the morning, you know, you'd see six or eight elderly gentlemen who would meet at the gas station for a cup of coffee and chat, and they don't have that anymore. Yeah, so I guess that gets to another thing that we're concerned about is the social isolation. I'm sure everybody is really minding the isolation. I mind it in some ways, but I'm used to living back in the woods where I don't have any neighbors. So, you know, I'm I'm pretty isolated as it is, but I still get out every every couple of days down to our food network. So I interact with people. We also have our fundraising facility where we have like rummage sales, flea markets. And so it's kind of a bit of a meeting place as well. People can come in and, you know, you wear your mask, you sanitize, you walk through the room and then somebody else can come in behind you and you exit through another door. It's just become funny. And the Community Food Resource Network received a wellness grant from the Community Health Board last year. So what kinds of things were you folks able to accomplish with that grant? Well, that was my very first grant that I'd ever applied for. I've never been really good at asking for things, but I've really learned how to ask now. I called it Project Kickstart because that's exactly what it was. It was a kickstart for us. It gave us some funds to put some food in our pantry. We started a little garden so we could buy topsoil and we had plants donated by the school. So it just enabled us to start, to open our doors and think and plan and do. It was wonderful. I'm not afraid to ask for anything now. And as far as the community garden goes, is that going to continue this year as well? It's going to continue. I'm hoping that we can find some funds. 
I want to try to employ the students at our local high school, North Queens Community School, and they will build us raised beds. So that's part of their curriculum. And so that's kind of a sense of community, a bit of fun. They can come down to our facility and build these for us. So you mentioned some of the other uses that the Community Food Resource Network fulfills in the community besides, you know, a very important service of giving people food. What are some of the other things that the network is doing in the community or what are the things does the community use the network for? Not a lot right now because of COVID, um, but we do have a commercial kitchen and we would like to be able to offer maybe some cooking lessons in the fall. Let's make some jam or jelly or preserve some beets. Unfortunately, until COVID flies away, we can't really do that. But we like to look at our name, community plus food, plus resources, plus networking. So we encompass a lot of different things. And I try to find housing for people if I can. That's a whole other topic. And I share resources. I've helped people with their personal income tax. And I filled out uh, papers for pensions. I helped a gentleman with a CERB problem. We just try to do whatever we can. What attracted us to the building was the fact that it already had a commercial kitchen. So we just thought it would be bringing a sense of community and togetherness if we could have people come in and learn how to prepare a meal or preserve we have a lot of really great cooks here who operate the, you know, the, your traditional church suppers. And I've spoken to them and they're happy to come in and give a lesson in how to make some jam or how to make some beets. Or in the lobby, I always have a binder with low-cost recipes and recipes that usually use items that I can provide to you. So we'd like to be able to show you how to cook those things. We just have a lot to offer. So if people want to help with the food bank, either with any kind of donation, time, money, anything else, how do they do that? Well, I'm open on Monday mornings for people to drop in. There's not a Monday that goes by that someone doesn't drop in with a bag of food, maybe $20. They'll give me items for our rummage sale fundraising house. Uh, Some people just want to come in and have a little tour of the facility. So I always try to help everybody with whatever they want. We also have a donation bin at Clover Farm. That's our grocery store. So they can purchase items and leave it there for us. We do e-transfer. And we're working really hard right now on obtaining our charitable status through Revenue Can. And I think that'll happen very soon. We make it easy. If you want to give me something... I make it easy. (laughs) And obviously, if people want to make a financial donation, I can probably stretch that further than most people. But I appreciate every single item that we get. Every item I appreciate. And I'll find a home for it. It can be something weird and wonderful. I will find a home for it. Well, I know that the Queen's Community Health Board was really excited about funding your grant last year, and it's wonderful to hear about all the great work you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for that grant, because that was the kick in the seat of the pants that I needed. Well, that's exactly the kind of thing we try to do with Wellness Fund is get something really good started. 
Thanks very much for joining us today. This is very enlightening conversation, I think, about what's going on with food security and the Community Food Resource Network in North Queens. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. And if you're ever in Caledonia, you come see me. For more information on today's topic, please visit our Facebook page, Queen's Community Health Board, or call me, Elizabeth Bailey, at 902-350-0478. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time to the Community Health Cast. Mm-hmm.